Hi, and welcome. This is On Mike with Jordan Rich, where the art of conversation is alive and well. Today, I welcome Mike Papantonio, a senior partner of one of the country's largest plaintiff's law firms who's aggressively taken on big pharma and tobacco, weapons manufacturers, and the automobile industry, and uses his own cases as springboards for his exciting novels. His latest, written with Alan Russell, is called Inhuman Trafficking. It's a legal thriller, and it deals with an ongoing serious issue, that of human trafficking for sex work and slave labor. It's a story that will keep you on the edge of your seat, but it's all the more fascinating because it's based on the truth. So let's meet a man who's battling some of these issues in court and writing about them in novel form, the latest being Inhuman Trafficking, Mike Papantonio. He joins us now on Mike. Welcome to the podcast. Let me ask you first how you got into the writing game. A lot of lawyers have done it successfully, and you're one of them, joining a a list of very successful guys. What got you into the novel writing business? Well, the cases that, I, that I've handled over the years, Jordan, are just kind of lend themselves to that. I don't, handle, I don't handle auto cases or workers' comp or anything like that. The cases I handle are, for example, we launched the tobacco litigation from this law firm. We've launched probably 50 of the largest pharmaceutical cases in the country, 12 of the biggest uh, environmental cases. So these things that I do all kind of lend themselves to being able to write these books because the books are all based on those cases, even though... Mm. Take a, take a story and you fictionalize it, it's still the underlying story is completely true. So it was a fairly easy thing to do. Plus, add to that, I was a journalism major at University of Florida. So it was, it was kind of a perfect fit, to tell you the truth. Yeah, you also have a radio show, it says here, a Ring of Fire. Tell me about that. Well, yeah, Bobby Kennedy and I years ago started a program called Ring of Fire, which was, uh, well, it was around, program was around 20 25, 26 years. I have a show now called America's Lawyer that is uh, it's a TV show. It's on RT America. But yeah, Ring of Fire was around for a very long time. It was started uh, during a time that uh, there's an organization called Air America that started up in New York, and they invited us to come in and we put the show together there. But I've done media, MSNBC, and, you know, Fox News as a liberal commentator for a very long time. Well, let's talk about the new book called Inhuman Trafficking. And you you mentioned some of the major cases that you've had, uh, and we'll get into the book in more detail. But have you had experience in this realm as well? Yeah, we filed the first, what called an MDL case. And what that is, Jordan, in order to bring closure and be able to land a project like this, you have to find one jurisdiction where all of the discovery takes place and kind of the dispositive judge decisions take place. So we filed one of those cases up in Ohio, and that was a couple of years ago, and it was based on the, actually it was based on the cases that uh, are in this book. So that that's mm. where you start. Okay. You, you, you begin by saying, well, you know, in order to do something, you got to take the first move, and that is to file the lawsuit. Uh, you know, typically media does nothing, you know, fairly critical of corporate media. And they, they typically do nothing until there's some reason, at least, for them to pay attention to it. Right, so, right. Uh, we, we filed, for example, the opioid case. That was our case that we filed uh, up in Ohio five years ago. And, and until we filed that case, the entire program really wasn't out there until the Washington Post picked up the story from us. And so it's you know it's 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 just how things work. You have to right. to, to make to, to get anything done. You have to file the lawsuit. 
Let's talk about the hero of this book and others. <laughs> it's nice to write a hero who has a similar last name in a certain respect. Nick Dicotomus is uh, the lawyer, the heroic lawyer here. It sounds like you, but maybe there's somebody else mixed in there along with you. I yeah, I don't, yeah, anytime you create a character, the best thing to do, Jordan, is to create a composite of take the worst and the best and mix them together. There's no character. Uh, anytime you try to make a character look too bulletproof, it's, it never ends well. So, you know, Nick Dicotomist is a complicated character at best, but he's the, he, he's the uh, senior partner of one of the biggest law firms in the country. And so, um, yeah, I, I, you know, you borrow some of yourself, but you also borrow yeah. from other people. And sure. you, you try to say, what is, this, what, is, what is this quality that I think it projects well in a book? Well, he's a, a married guy, a family man, no question about that. A little on the headstrong side, <laughs> but I guess you have to be in dealing with high-profile cases like the one we're going to talk about. Yeah, I think you'll find most, there's only about, in the entire nation, there's only about 20 law firms that do what we do. And I think if you analyzed, uh, probably did a, a MMPI on any of them, a personality profile, you'd find they all have those same qualities. That is, the, they're all a little headstrong. It's hard to tell them no when they think that they when they're looking for a yes. I guess is the best way. To put it. <laughs> now, Mike, in the book, we have uh, just what the the title suggests: human trafficking. The title is "Inhuman Trafficking," a legal thriller. But we have this uh, situation with a, a large hotel chain, Welcome Mat Hospitality, and they have uh, truck stops and lodging throughout the country, and it's the perfect backdrop for human trafficking. But re- a real case, yeah. by the way. It's, uh, yeah, the way that, that we, we're handling part of that case, the, that case is where in L.A., typically it all, it all centers around L.A. for some peculiar reason, but they'll... they'll take a truck, an 18-wheeler truck, or several 18-wheeler trucks, and put girls in back of them, and they'll, they'll divide, subdivide the, the trailer and to small bedrooms, and then they'll make their, make their trip across the United States from the West Coast to the East Coast. And all along the way, they're talking to truckers, and they're talking to truck stops, and we're going to be at a particular truck stop on 3 o'clock on a Friday. You might want to stop by. That's, they, they don't say it like that. There's different ways that they project it. But then people show up at the truck stop, and they have sex with underage girls, and then they go their way. Um, yeah, so it's, it's very organized. It's not, it's not uh, what you would think. People think of human trafficking, and they think of some character who you know, kidnaps one or two girls and traffics them. It's much, much more organized. The, uh, the other part of that story, for example, in, the, in, in human trafficking, is I tell the story about the organization in... Uh, in um, Canada. Well, this is one part of it. The, mm-hmm. the, what, what happens is there's an organization in Canada, and they, they probably are responsible for most of, the, uh, most of the pornography that takes place all around the world. But they're financed by Wall Street, you see. Wall Street drives them, and the way that they're involved in trafficking is they'll say, we need a film, for example. We need a film of a 14- or 15-year-old girl in distress who's being raped in a hotel room. They call their friendly trafficker. They get that done. They get that film, and it becomes part of the pornography process all over the world. Mm. The only problem is the thing that people miss is a lot of that is financed by Wall Street. They can't stay in business without equity interest from Wall Street. Now, the book covers two populations of victims. In one case, it's a girl named Lily, who's the the goddaughter of our hero, Mm -hmm. which makes it very personal. But then there are also 
those from other parts of the world, including Russia. So what can you tell us about the influx and the, the foreign girls who were taken here and brought here? Yeah, there's something called an H-2B process in the United States, and that's where you bring in workers that that, that have a green card and they have a permission to, to work in America. So the employer goes to a place like Ukraine, and matter of fact, this happened, This happens all the time, but it just, the, the case that we were talked about in that book happened about an hour drive away from here, mm. where they brought in Ukrainian girls, and they they interviewed them, and they said, how would you like to be in the hotel service industry? So they bring them over to the United States, and they think that they're going to be work behind a desk or maybe work as a greeter. And they might start them there for a week or two, and then they move them to a, a strip club. And they say, how would you like to work as a greeter in a strip club? And then you can make more money if you'll work on the pole. It's called the step-up process. Mm-hmm. And then once they're on the pole, they say, we'd like you to meet uh, – Bob here in the audience. He wants to he wants to chat with you, and that's the last we see of them because they're trafficked. But that's a that's an age old process that's been going on in the United States for a long time. They literally show up in Europe and they look like there's some kind of job fair. Right, and, and, they, um, and they disappear because there's really no record of them, is that it? Yeah, Records are correct. expunged? Well, it, they disappear because we don't have a Department of Justice. That We have a completely dysfunctional Department mm. of Justice, a completely dysfunctional uh, Homeland Security that should be keeping up with that kind of stuff, but they don't, and they just become another statistic. Well, the Jeffrey Epstein case pointed out that people with lots and lots of money and power often abuse that uh, opportunity, mm. and they did so in a most horrific way, Some some pretty big names might be connected. So we're not talking about uh, just truckers here. We're talking about people with money and power and influence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they make the world go around in this area. Nothing happens without the person that's willing right. to stop at the truck stop or the person that's willing to, you know, buy uh, an hour with a 14-year-old girl. And a lot of times it is the Epstein ilk that is at the heart of it. Um, but we look the other way, don't we? Because, you know, Jeff, Jeff Epstein was a celebrity. He had money, he had influence, he had affluence, he was politically connected. And so we don't treat them like we treat any other criminal. Epstein got away with what he was doing for, uh, for 15 years, and the people who were around Epstein also got away with it. And to this day have gotten away with it. The only person that's even being looked at is, uh, is Maxwell, and she's really a minor player when it comes down to it. But yeah, we, we have a double standard, Jordan. It's a, it's an ugly standard. It is they don't look like criminals, so we right. don't treat them like criminals. Uh, if they wore hoodies, maybe we'd be willing to throw them in prison. We're, we're talking here about the new novel, a legal thriller called Inhuman Trafficking. It really is a thriller. There's a lot of violence, and there are victims of violence. I don't think it takes a great intellect to figure out that these girls, and many of them are girls underage, are uh, also killed and they disappear, and who knows? I mean, they're tortured. There's inhuman treatment of these people. It's not just sex. No, no, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, the, the problem is that there's so little understanding about it. I mean, the, for example, I hired a lawyer who's an incredibly talented lawyer who's been with me uh, going on two years now. She was trafficked when she was 14, and she was California and um, got away when she was 16, I think, 16 or 17, went on to get her MBA at UCLA and then got her law degree at UCLA. Well, she came from, uh, and then is now working with us, but she came from a upper middle class. I mean, she was upper middle class. And we, we think, well, you know, this is just something that happens to 
kind of the the have-nots, the runaways, the kids that are problem kids. They, you know, they they've been problems their entire lives. It, it's nothing is farther from the truth. The, there is a lot of that. You know, you have the foster care system that feeds the system, that feeds the trafficking process. You have the immigration system right now that is a completely utter disaster yes. that media won't look at because they don't like the politics of it. So they won't they won't call it what it is that there's trafficking at record numbers right now as we speak coming mm-hmm. across the border. The right. cartels are involved in a big way. So I mean, there's there's things that seem off limits, Jordan. With, they, they seem off limits for corporate media, and they're, they're simply not willing to talk about it. I'm, I'm with you, and I think a novel like this gets people thinking, and uh, if you dig a little deeper beyond just the exciting page turn that it is, you realize there's a lot of, lot of meat here. There's a character in the book, and I'm sure this is based on the real deal, a female, sort of, a, I call her a capo, if you know what that means, the lion tamer of the, the local troop. And I would imagine that's commonplace to have a, a, a oh, yeah. woman in charge yeah. of the team, the local team, so to speak. Yes, Victoria, yeah. She, so, so this character is actually, is, is, is driven by a character that actually existed in, um, in Destin, Florida. And um, she was Ukrainian herself, had come over and, you know, she was just the person to go to to make all this happen, which is very common. A lot of folks that come in, they, they, they brought, they're brought in, they're trafficked when they're brought in, and then they end up being part of the process, the management, the acquisition, the, per, the people who, who are the movers and shakers that actually perpetuate the trafficking. You see it a lot from Mexico. You see it a lot from the Ukraine, um, all parts of Russia where they've made it through, they've lived through it. Actually, this girl that I was talking to you about that worked mm. for us, they were grooming her for that purpose, for her to someday take over the mm. management of mm-hmm. girls. So, yeah, that's, not, that's a very common kind of problem. Mike, uh, I'm a, an old Perry Mason guy, so uh, Paul Drake is, you know, the detective. <laughs> Everybody knows that name if you're of a certain age. But in the book, you have a couple of stalwart guys who are tough, former military, one's former military, I love that character, but law firms like yours, you, you must have on your team people who can uh, uh, oh, yes. get get their fingernails a little dirty if they oh, have to. Oh, absolutely. You've got a character, <laughs> Carol Morris, in there that has been with this firm for 25 years. Uh, just remarkable, remarkable investigator. The PJ that is in that book, he, there's a people aren't familiar with it. They know SEAL, they they know the SEAL team, they know Delta Force, but they 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 don't know what a pararescue man is. They're, these folks are trained right down the road from where we are, uh, one of the, one of the Air Force bases here, and they are just the baddest of the bad. Matter of fact, they may come through the training at a SEAL team, and they they determine that that particular person works best by themselves. Mm. They work independently by themselves, and they're called pararescue men or PJs. So in the book, that character comes to work for the law firm. Uh, we, 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 we don't have anybody that, <laughs> that, that rivals that, but we've got some pretty tough cats around Well, I'd, I'd want that guy on my team, let's put it that way. Yeah. I want him working yeah. for me, not against me. You mentioned, Mike, the Justice Department and the mess that, that the federal government finds itself in in so many areas, immigration and, and justice. Is the the work of law firms like yours and our hero in the book, Deke, is that the best way to uncover and unearth some of these maggots and, and do away yeah. with them through the courts? 
let me answer that question this way with opioids. We filed the first national opioid case that, would, that ever emerged. And out of there, after we filed the lawsuit, all of a sudden it's on everybody's radar. Mm. We started seeing the Wall Street, uh, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post did an extraordinary job with the information that we gave them out of the lawsuit. But at, at last it was on the radar screen, and people understood that 150 people were dying a day. The truth is the Justice Department that we have is not capable of doing that. The Justice Department we have is typically going to handle a case with what I call low-hanging fruit. If it's easy to get to, they're going to they're take that case. They won't take a complicated case like this. Or the same way with opioids. They wouldn't touch opioids because it was too complicated. But now we're trying to solve the opioid case. So most of the time, resolution begins with cases just like what we're talking about, mm -hmm. with law firms that actually say, well, you know, if government won't do it, regulators won't do it, media won't pay any attention to us, uh, Washington won't pay any attention, let's go do it ourselves. There are uh, responses from big corporate honchos. Uh, we know nothing about this. This is not our in our <laughs> charter. And I know that yeah. in, the, in the book, there's the fictional Welcome Mat Hospitality Firm. Mm. There's so many levels of power that you have to sort of get through it. And for those who don't know, I mean, the amount of time and effort and, and money it takes to, to work a case like the opioid case or the tobacco case, it, it can be years and, and literally dozens and dozens of staff, right? I mean, it's, it's not oh, just yeah, something I mean, you just roll out. Well, I think the opioid case right now, collectively, the law firms that are handling that, there's only a handful of us. I think we're probably $200 million into that case right mm -hmm, now and mm -hmm. five years down the road. So, But, you, the, but the, the good news is there are people that are willing to do that, and they get criticized of being you know, ambulance chasers, I guess, for taking on what nobody else will take on. You know, I, I did corporate media for a long time, and it was, I was always amazed at their unwillingness to tell stories that really mattered. It was it was really easier to talk about Kim Kardashian and what yeah. she wore to the latest celebrity party. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, well, I will call it laziness on the part of some in mm -hmm. the corporate media. A couple of other quick things. Uh, your co-writer, Alan Russell, is is a man of, of letters, let's put it that way, very accomplished. Very talented. Talk a little very bit about talented. Alan Russell because he's worth yeah. knowing. Yeah, Alan, Alan's been a friend a long time. Uh, he, he began really editing some of my earlier books um, with me, my relationship. Of course, he's he's a New York Times bestseller, I think, several times. But I, I, I think his his vision of what a, a fiction should look like and what mine is is very similar. Um, you know, it's not everybody gets killed. There's not a bang shoot-up scene every other fourth page. It's just a story, and he's a great storyteller. I needed his help on this one because he was very familiar with the topic and uh, just did a wonderful job with it. He he uh, he he can he, he's he, he's able to say pap listen i love this i love this paragraph but it should go in chapter 4 not chapter 2 mm -hmm. that's what you need so that's what a good <laughs> yeah. writer that's what a good writer does and and so he's just brilliant and one more thing mike you've been compared and and this is very favorably of course to grisham and gentleman as a dear friend of mine joseph finder do you guys ever do you guys ever have coffee or or something Never stronger have. Ne I, it's so odd. I'm a, I just respect both of them so much. And, um, you know, it's just you get isolated in your world, Jordan. You go about right. your life and you say, I wonder what they're up to today. And then they'll turn out some new book and you go, wow, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, I, I, really, really talented. Man. I've interviewed really Joe talented. many times and I met John Grisham and he was 
he said that same thing. He said, at, I guess it was a talk on a, at a book festival. He said, you know what really pisses me off? When somebody like Mike Papantonio comes up with the idea before me. He just, he lands, he, he just lands a story so well, doesn't he, Jordan? I mean, he just lands a story. You know, being a lawyer, who I practice every day. I, I watch what he does and I go, wow, you know, he got that right. He got it right. So. But but the drama, as we see, is played out in the courts every single day with lawyers and uh, and prosecutors and the human drama that I think you're captivating us with. Congratulations on this. Are you working on the next one? Yeah, it's called Law and Terror. It's about the uh, terrorist uh, money being washed by some of the big banks all over the world where they wash money and it ends up killing uh, mm. U.S. contractors, U.S. soldiers, soldiers from all over the world, because a uh, bank like HSBC or some of the big banks, they know exactly what they're doing. They'll, you know, they've made $100 billion washing money, and they know exactly where that money is going, how it's being used, and ends up killing a lot of innocent people. You have a terrific opportunity in this genre to tell stories and get people talking. It's called Inhuman Trafficking, a legal thriller by Mike Papantonio and Alan Russell. We've been talking with Mike and I wish you the best and uh, stay safe. It's a scary world out there. It is, Joel. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity. He's the author of several legal thrillers, including his latest, we've been talking about it, Inhuman Trafficking. His name is Mike Papantonio, and he's one of the most noted and successful plaintiff attorneys in the nation. That does it for us. Thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media for his help in publishing these podcasts, to the crew at Chart Productions in Boston, where we produce the podcast, and as always, a special thank you to those of you listening in over 100 countries. Find out about me, the podcast, my book, and a whole lot more at my website, jordanrich.com. And until next time, as always, be well so you can do good. Take care.